Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters, the remnant. Thanks for tuning in to Stand Up For The Truth. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. His name was Jesus, and he was in the beginning with God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we celebrate his birth on December 25th, but all year round because of what he did. We're thankful for the cross, and let's thank him right now. Lord Jesus, we praise you for your goodness for your faithfulness, for your obedience to the Father, for completing the work that he sent you to do. We thank you for your sacrifice by which we are saved if we just believe. Thank you, God. We confess with our mouths. We believe in our hearts. Thank you for raising from the dead. Thank you for ascending to heaven, and thank you for interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. We love you, Lord. Give us wisdom today. Increase our faith for true believers that really need to fight these battles that we're engaged in right now in America and around the world, strengthen the family of believers and uh, just give us discernment one day at a time. Lord, we trust you in all things. We know that you are completely in control. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we're blessed to have back with us Pastor Dan Fisher. He's been preaching and pastoring for 45 years. I know he doesn't even look that old. But while serving as a full-time pastor, he also served two terms in the Oklahoma legislature and then ran for governor. While presently serving as co-pastor of Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond, Oklahoma, with fellow Patriot Pastor Paul Blair, who we had on a couple months ago, Dan also travels around the country presenting his highly acclaimed Bringing Back the Black-Robed Regiment presentation. It's a multimedia, one-man production where Dan tells the amazing story of 18th century patriot pastors who led the men of their congregations and their communities to fight for liberty in our war of independence. Dan Fisher, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth, brother. Oh, David, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be with you. Well, thanks for your time. We're going to get to your book. This is why we're, we're having you back. Unlimited Submission with a question mark, talking about Romans 13 and the incorrect usage of it to silence Christians and the church. And we're going to talk a lot, a lot about COVID and how the church responded or did not respond, I should say. But let's talk about important things that are on a lot of people's minds right now, Pastor Dan, and that would be the election. Uh, you've maybe got some inside uh, connections. What on, in the world is going on with the results? What do you think is going to happen in Georgia? And why do we keep hearing there's so much information on voter fraud. There's so much with the ballot harvesting, all these different things that were illegal, and yet they, they haven't been able to present, present the case, apparently, to these different federal courts, and apparently it's going to go to Supreme Court. What can you tell us, and how can you encourage believers right now? Yeah. Well, first of all, we're dealing with a group of people who do not mind twisting the law. Whenever you're playing a game with someone and they're willing to cheat, then it makes it very, very difficult uh, to play a, a, a fair game, obviously. And so they've been working on this, David, for years. Uh, there is one uh, insider uh, that says that they actually had this uh, Dominion software ready to go in 2016. Mm -hmm. And for reasons he could not divulge, it was intercepted and stopped. I think this is why they were so convinced that they had it in the bag with Hillary. Yep. You remember, they were convinced that Hillary was going to trounce uh, Trump and were just so shocked. And I think the reason they were shocked is not because they thought so many people were going to vote for her. I think they were shocked because uh, their, their program didn't kick in and do what uh, Dominion did this last time. Uh, it, it appears that this software is designed to, at a particular point in the election process, algorithms begin to flip votes and to basically negate 
uh, votes for uh, one particular candidate while adding votes for another. And of course, now you've seen with the news that these huge hordes of votes have come in and uh, Trump gets almost nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, even 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 if the, the race was close and it was 50-50, he would get half of them uh, <laughs> on the average. So it's obvious that this was set up a long time ago. The, the problem is, is each state has its ability to run the election process. It's very, very difficult to fight through the court system in these states because in many of the states, the judges are are uh, Dems. They, even though they're supposed to be nonpartisan, we both know there's no such animal. Everybody has a, a persuasion one yep. way or another. Yep. And so that's why Trump's team is having so much trouble. They're having to, to work through the state system and push on to the Supreme Court. The problem with the Supreme Court is the last thing in the world those judges want to do is determine an election. And so it's very difficult to build a case around the the uh, issues that they are interested in hearing. Uh, they want to hear issues like equal protection was not provided for voters. And I think that's obvious that that's the case. But to be able to put that together in a way that they're willing to hear the case mm. is probably the biggest challenge. And, and then, of course, the other challenge is the clock. I mean, they're just simply yes. running out the clock. And it's just so, so very, very difficult but basically what you have here is you have one side that plays by the rules. Let's take Oklahoma. We play by the rules. Uh, we have to prove our identification when we vote. And uh, you have states that don't do that. And so people in Oklahoma are disenfranchised because we play by the rules and Michigan doesn't. Hmm. And so it's, it's, it's a very, very difficult situation. I believe that there is a way that Trump could uh, – I don't necessarily mean win. Really, uh, folks uh, are missing the point. He doesn't have to win. All he has to do is get Biden to the place where he doesn't have 270 electoral votes. Right. That's what he really has to do. And then it's thrown into the House of Representatives. And that may be considered a mistrial at that point. (laughs) Yeah, very much so. Of course, you know, once it goes to the House of Representatives, then every state gets one vote. So Mm -hmm. no matter how large the delegation is from, let's say, a state like California, they only get one vote. And this has happened a few times in history. It's not like this has never happened. Now, this this level of cheating, I'm not sure we've ever seen before. So uh, on this date, on this day, December 1st, 1824, the presidential election between John Quincy Adams, uh, Andrew Jackson, William Crawford, Henry Clay, it was turned over to the House of Representatives due to the lack of an electoral vote majority. That's December 1st, 1824. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, our our framers, they they understood uh, what we were dealing with, and and they put a a number of really wonderful checks and balances into the system. The problem is, David, we're we're dealing with courts that are simply not just. I mean, they're just, I, I hate to say that. I, I'm sorry to say that, but these these uh, judges are just not uh, just. And it's anybody's bet as to, to how this thing's going to turn out. Well, we know the Bible tells us that the heart of man is sick, it's wicked, it's beyond cure. Yeah. And the only cure is Jesus and the redemption right. and salvation that comes from him. But some people still, they hear you or they hear me. I've said this so often that the left are generally a bunch of liars. And what you said, when one side is willing to cheat, some people hear that and go, oh, come on, they don't really, they don't care about, if they're not believing in God, if they're godless, they don't abide by the Ten Commandments, they don't care about bearing false witness, they will lie to get what they want. People have done that throughout history, and we as Christians want to give them the benefit of the doubt. No, there's integrity in our system. Well, Christians and conservatives have prayed, we voted, we shared info on social media, we've done radio programs and podcasts, you've done sermons, a lot of patriot pastors have, Dan. What else at this point can we do, of course, not knowing the outcome? What can we do other than pray? Well, David, I think the only thing that we can do is is stand strong for what we know is true. I, uh, Trump, as you know, uh, received many, many more votes this time around than he did the last time. Yep. Had, had everything been fair and square, uh, he would have easily 
been been reelected. This is the way I look at it. People who are willing to murder preborn children are certainly willing to lie about an election outcome. Yes. That's no doubt. And so we have a deep moral chasm in our country. And the quicker we come to understand this, in fact, I preached a, a sermon last Sunday, the first part of it entitled, entitled Irreconcilable. And I believe that we are at a place in our history where the two polarized sides in America are so polarized that the differences are irreconcilable. How in the world do you reconcile the, the deeply divided philosophies of life that we're experiencing right now? And, and I believe the answer is you don't. And somehow we're going to have to come to the place where we understand just how philosophically divided we are, yes. and determine how in the world are we going to deal with this? Because, you know, Jesus said, even Abraham Lincoln quoted from it, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Mm-hmm. And you just, you cannot keep a so-called free republic uh, healthy uh, when, when you have this kind of division. It's, it's just impossible, David. And so I think one thing that Christians need to do is they begin to need to they, they need to begin to rethink things that they've always been taught, things they've always believed and assumed were so when maybe they weren't so. And I'm not suggesting the Bible's not true. You know what I mean? Yes. We've been told things like for instance, we'll get to it here in a little while. The the standard approach to Romans chapter thirteen has been uh, accepted for years. <laughs> And now all of a sudden people are starting to say, well, well, wait just a minute. Maybe this is not what the Bible was saying. So I think it is time for Christians to actually consider that there are some things that we've been told that are just simply not so. Yep. Uh, we're going to get to your book, Unlimited Submission, how Romans 13, 1 through 5, has been incorrectly used to silence Christians and the church. But Dan, I think we have to clarify one point. And that is what you just said. I completely agree with and shout amen. But some people might say, well, wait a minute. Didn't Jesus say we should be all about unity and aren't we one in Christ? Whereas what you pointed out is when you someone takes the other stand politically, you've got a godless platform that you are supporting. And we had Pastor Steve Smotherman on. uh, We're going to have he's in on again next week. Yep, he's going to be on again with us next week. And he said, if you can kill a baby, you're capable of just about anything. And so that platform, yes, and that platform, just that one thing, let alone marriage, religious freedom, their stance on Israel and everything else, socialism. So when Christians or professing, Steve calls them so-called Christians, go over to the other side and vote for what we might consider the enemy, I don't believe you can unify with them. In fact, you, you God have mercy on their souls, and they better yeah. repent. But I say, show them no mercy politically. No. Dan, maybe exactly. you can clarify exactly. that point. No, no, exactly. Uh, you know, when Scripture says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, that is correct. Peace with God mm-hmm. and peace with one another if we know God. But he also said, don't think that I've come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. So Jesus, of course, knew when he was on this earth, that the truths that he was preaching were going to divide humanity into two sides. And he said, you're either for me or you're against. Notice that active word, against me. So it's not a, a, a matter of, well, let's just all get along. There, there comes a point when you cannot get along. Uh, use for an example, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer in Germany yes. in the 1940s, you know, who was a Lutheran preacher. Uh, he saw what was happening to Germany. The church was compromising. And ultimately, we know the history, the sad, sad history of mm. a church not s- sounding the alarm when it should have. Bonhoeffer was so convinced that he could not reconcile with Hitler. He actually participated in the attempts to assassinate Hitler. And I believe he was right in doing so. Yep. So we cannot conflate the issues. Yes, as believers— we're one in Christ, and, and we ought to be able to work out our differences. But when we're talking about those who are godless 
And those who work by the principles of this world, that the Bible says Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded them. We have nothing in common with them. And though we don't want to be hateful and do terrible things, we have a responsibility to stand up against them and their ideas. Mm. We do, and we have a need of more believers, more patriot pastors, first of all, to stand up in the pulpits yeah. and preach like those men of God, the black-robed black, black -robed regiment did. Um, let's transition into what we're going to talk about in uh, whether we should okay. submit to the governing authorities. Ding, ding, ding. Merriam-Webster yesterday announced the pandemic is the 2020 word of the year. So this has been a year where governors and mayors have shown their true colors, and we're talking right. about po unprecedented power grabs. Let's start with just Thanksgiving, for example, Dan. And even before that, a lot of churches um, were you know, fined, threatened by government, especially out in California. Thank God some have been fighting back. John MacArthur, um, Jack Hibbs, uh, Shane Eidelman, sure. and others. But here I'm looking at a list of, did we just celebrated Thanksgiving? There's some restrictions that uh, Michigan, California, Washington, uh, other places uh, put into play that Thanksgiving was only to be two hours or less. You had to hold your gathering outside. Seating must be six feet in distance. Uh, masks must be worn unless you're eating. Attendees may be briefly, they may be able to go inside to use the restroom if the facilities are frequently sanitized. Wow. No more than three households are permitted, including hosts and guests. The host should collect names of all attendees and contact information in case the state or local county wants to contract or contact trace the guests later. And the list goes on. Dan, Romans 13 is an excuse. I shouldn't say excuse. That's the reason that some well-meaning Christians give to say, okay, this is what they're saying we need to do. You're, we've got three minutes in this segment. Your, your quick thoughts on that. Okay. Well, first of all, we have to begin with understanding the purpose of government in the first place. Is the job of government to become a nanny state, to take care of our every move, our every need, and watch over us from cradle to the grave? Well, the answer to that is no. And it's easy to go to the Declaration of Independence and see a clear articulation of the purpose of government. Government's job, first and foremost, is to protect our rights. Mm. As simple as that. Wow. It has nothing to do with giving health insurance. It has nothing to do with keeping you safe. That's your job. That's not the job of government. So we first have to understand the role of government, its purpose. Now, when you go to Romans 13, Paul then makes it very, very clear that the purpose of government is to reward the doers of good and to punish the doers of evil. It's as simple as that. Now, whenever then we begin to read into government's responsibilities, all of these other things, then you're going to have the kind of tyranny that we're facing today because every person is going to interpret their power in a different way. And so what ultimately happens is you have tyranny that we have faced for centuries. Hmm. And so these, these mayors and these governors have reached and gotten a power that is not theirs. And until someone pushes back, they're going to continue to do this. And ultimately, we will lose everything if Americans don't begin to say, no, that is not your job. And that's what we need to do more and more. I, I'm thankful for those that have already been meeting on the steps of state capitals across the country because of these restrictions, not just the Thanksgiving list. And by the way, single serve containers and all these different things. Oh, it's laughable. Yeah. It's laughable. Yeah. And even we've got these numbers coming out. Nan, Dan, did you hear that the flu has been cured? Apparently the flu has been <laughs> cured. The numbers have gone down in the last many months so dramatically that we almost wiped out the flu. So there's some, some good news for this year. But when we come back from our break, um, there's some great quotes that you open up your book, Unlimited Submission, uh, in the introduction. I'm just going to give a little teaser here, and you can respond on the other side of the break. Uh, you are a Christian, and it is your duty under God to submit to government no matter what, and you are sinning if you don't submit to government. Wow, I've heard that used before. And uh, we'll talk more with Pastor Dan Fisher, 
how Romans 13, 1 through 5, has been incorrectly used to silence Christians and the church. So much more when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest today, Pastor Dan Fisher, danfisherbrr.com. We'll have that linked to the podcast notes today at StandUpForTheTruth.com. How often have you heard a Christian pastor or Bible teacher declare that Romans 13, 1 through 5, requires cr- Christians to submit to their government leaders no matter what, and to, also that they are even sinning if they don't obey. Uh, Pastor Dan, would you like to tackle that one? Because we hear that a lot. Oh, yeah. Well, I think the main reason most Christians have taken that position is they have a, a great misunderstanding of what it means uh, to submit to authority to begin with. Uh, Christians are just supposed to be quiet and reserved and not be controversial and don't challenge the status quo. And, and there's nothing even remotely like that in Scripture. I mean, if you, if you follow the ministry of Jesus, if you follow the ministry of the apostles, they were anything but docile. Now, they were not rebels with a cause. They, they were not just out causing trouble because they could. But the Bible is extremely clear that truth is at war with darkness. And we may not like that, but we're told to fight a spiritual battle. Why does Paul talk about all the spiritual armor and all of his talk about fight the good fight as a good soldier? So most Christians completely misunderstand what it means to be a believer, and they just kind of have this passive, well, whatever happens, you know, I'm just going to be Christ-like. Well, that's not necessarily Christ-like. And then to make matters worse, you have noted Christian teachers like, for instance, John MacArthur, who I greatly respect, who for years has taught that Christians are supposed to submit to government no matter what. Mm. He's even taught that our framers— what some people call founders, were sinning when they uh, rebelled against uh, Great Britain and signed the Declaration and ultimately ended up uh, fighting our War of Independence. Now, interestingly, now that California has shut his church down, John MacArthur has taken a decidedly different position, and I applaud it. He is finally, in my opinion, on the right side of Romans 13. Yep. But it actually actually took him almost losing his church to wake up and realize there are limits to how much we can submit especially when we're talking about tyranny. I mean if we're talking about laws that are for the good of mankind uh, whether it's speed limits or uh, you know safety rules and all well we need to do our very very best uh, paul and peter both make that point quite clear we need to do our very best to submit and work with authorities but when those authorities overreach their power and their proper role as as governors and they begin to practice tyranny uh, we not only have the right but, but we have, David, the responsibility to, to speak out. Yes. If we don't, who will? Exactly. And, of course, the answer would be no one. Yes. Uh, by the way, Dan, this, this could go back five years, this conversation, B.C., before COVID. Um, oh, be- sure. Because in 2015, when the Supreme Court ruled and struck down um, bans on homosexual marriage and open that up to the whole country and everything. Oh, now it's legal, yeah. right? Because it's legal, it's moral, which is a big lie. By the oh. way, uh, Pastor John MacArthur, a powerful sermon at that time, he had a sermon called We Will Not Bow. And I thought, yeah. wow, kudos for him. And he came out very <clears throat> strong and was attacked. And uh, what he thought is the left would go now go after insurance companies that— uh, give churches insurance who stand against homosexuality. We haven't seen a lot of that, so that was one of his predictions. We haven't seen a lot of that, but we've been seeing the shakedown over the last five years, and now, of course, we're seeing what many would consider um, rulers usurping a power-oppressive 
to yeah. the citizens. Yeah. And if, if these COVID lockdowns from everything from the economy to to church to uh, mask mandates, if that's not oppressive to the people, Dan, what is it going to take? Well, you know, obviously they don't have the authority to be doing what they're doing. What if the church in past generations had responded to the different epidemics that came through like we have responded to COVID? Now, granted, no one wants COVID-19. I believe that I've had it, and it's just kind of a terrible flu, and no one wants it. But, but David, the, the recovery rate, the survival rate is well over 99%. We're, we're responding to COVID as if it were something like Ebola, yes. where there is no recovery. I mean, this is just utterly ridiculous. So when something seems to be totally ridiculous, typically it is. And I believe that what this is, is more than just mayors and governors overreaching in the blue states. I believe this has been a planned, orchestrated effort to see just how far the American people are willing to go for so-called safety. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've seen it with the TSA. Uh, You can no longer fly easily anymore. Uh, we, We searched down little grandmas, and I saw a picture the other day of a nun being uh, searched and we've we've shown that we're willing to give away almost anything for perceived security or uh, safety. That's what's going on. I mean, if if we treated this like the flu that it is, then it would be one thing, but to, to treat it like it is a death sentence is just denying all of the facts. And we've been told things that are not true there are equally qualified professionals <clears throat> who told us that the masks do not work. We have doctors in our church that have told us, Dan, those masks no more protect you from getting COVID than they would protect you from sawdust in the air. Mm. I mean, it's just simply ridiculous, but people are afraid, and that's because they have no security. Uh, they, they have nothing to lean on. They have nothing to stand on. This is where the American church can shine brightly if we will, because we do have an anchor for the soul, and his name is Jesus. And I think one of the reasons why this society has so responded over the top to COVID is they have no spiritual security. Mm-hmm. Most people do not know the Lord. They're scared to death of dying. Yes. And when they were told that COVID could kill them, they responded like anyone would who has no hope for the future. And the facts didn't change. When more facts came out, more knowledge about the virus and more um, information came out, once people already made up their minds, it seemed that they stuck with that. And right. for, as you know, yeah, for Christians, we have not been given a spirit of fear. But even in the church, Dan, um, generally, what we've seen across the country, it's no wonder what we said before we got back on the air here for this segment. It's no wonder that the secular culture and government looks at the church as non-essential or unessential. When, so we're fighting this battle as well, getting the, the church back to a place of influence and prominence. The church is absolutely essential. Well, not only is the church essential, but the church is to be the shining light. And we have not been, David. Uh, most churches have become what I call the facsimile of a Christian club. <clears throat> it's just something that people attend. And they like it, and so they've joined up, and they're a member of the club. But does it really order the way they live? Uh, Does the message uh, change them from one week to the next? I I think the answer is no. I think most people are far more concerned about how quickly they can get out of church. It's such a strange thing Mm. that church is one of the only events that we go to that we hurry up and get there so we can hurry up and leave. (laughs) <laughs> what is wrong with America? So, I know. Of course, I lay the blame squarely at the feet of pastors. Uh, pastors have become more like CEOs, uh, taking care of their own retirement programs and budgets, and they censor their own message and don't want to preach anything that's controversial. You and I have discussed that in the past. That is not our heritage. Hmm. And there was a time in America when pastors were not hirelings, 
That's right. But were true shepherds. And when the need came, they literally walked onto the battlefields and fought, actually fought with muskets in their hands. Yes. Today, the church is too afraid of offending someone to even tell them the truth. Mm. And that's just the day in which we live. Yes, that's called con- so, conforming so, so to the this, world. <laughs> well, and so this anemic uh, uh, position on Romans 13 plays right in. I mean, all they have to do is just wash their hands of it and say, hey, look, God says I've got to submit. I can't do anything else. I'm sorry. And they can just walk away. And they, mm. they feel no responsibility to defend the truth. We are called to earnestly contend for the truth. Amen. And the last thing on most preachers' minds is contending for anything but lunch on Sunday and a better paycheck next year. Our guest is Pastor Dan Fisher. The book is called Unlimited Submission. Dan, before we get into your book a little bit more, for those that did not have the opportunity to hear our podcast together a couple months ago, well, you came on and the primary focus of that one was the history of the black-robed regiment. You don't need to go over everything. Obviously, sure. we don't have time. But if you could right. share a couple bullet points for people that, of course, it's not taught in our history books, and it's not taught in our culture, and the media won't ever mention what the role of the church in our early days, but pastors were incredibly strong men of God and leaders in the communities, and they did go out and fight could you share a little bit of that history for people that go, well, wait a minute. Yeah. You mean at one time there were there were pastors that were that strong and bold? They because we yeah. don't know that history. No, we don't. We don't. <clears throat> it, all, it all comes from a time, David, where pastors did not preach compartmentalization. The idea that you can compartmentalize your life into the spiritual part and then the secular part. Uh, to to the Christian in the 1770s. You did everything as unto the Lord. So believing that government is an institution of God, just like the church or the home is, pastors freely preached on that subject as well as on the church and the family. So they, they found in God's Word clear principles about justice, about proper government, about what to do when, when tyrants rule. And they preached these things in their pulpits. Now, they saw what was coming with the the British stranglehold, and eventually America uh, signs the Declaration of Independence. We declare our independence from Great Britain, and we we knew that it would probably take a war, though we hoped not. And when that war broke out, many of these pastors had already been part of organizations training men how to fight. Mm -hmm. The pastor in Lexington, Jonas Clark, is a perfect example. The Lexington Minutemen were trained and led by a preacher and a deacon. In fact, the battle at Lexington was fought in the churchyard. <laughs> Most people don't know these yep, things. Yeah, exactly. And so over the years, pastors led the men of their congregations off to fight. Now, many of these pastors served dual roles as chaplains. But when the fighting commenced, many of them were right in the thick of it with their men fighting themselves because they believed that they were defending truth and liberty, and I believe that they were. Now, they were so hated by the British that they were called the Black Regiment because most pastors in those days preached in black robes. And so the title Black Robed Regiment stuck. But these guys were convinced that if they didn't lead out, there would be no liberty for their people. They would have the Church of England forced upon them. Their own churches would cease to exist. And they understood this quite well. Hmm. And I'll say one other thing. They knew that if they lost, many of them would be imprisoned, and a good number of them would be executed. Yes. They knew this. Yep. So this is the kind of pastor wow. who led our churches in the 1770s. And so that's who we're talking about when we talk about the black-robed regiment. It's these men who believe that there are times when you must stand and defend and fight for that which is right. There's a scene, uh, people don't know the history, generally in America, a massive, overwhelming majority do not know this, what you just said is true. There's a scene from the movie The Patriot with Mel Gibson, where there was a pastor in the church that led his men, and we, we, now it's clicking to a lot of people that are listening right now, Dan, they're going, oh yeah, (laughs) so they're thinking that was made up, that was just for dramatic purposes, yeah, right, a pastor's going to take people, grab a gun and go out. Can you share a little bit about that? Was that based on a certain individual? Well, I think it's a composite. Uh, I I could give you story after story of pastors that did the very thing that the preacher 
<clears throat> in the Patriot does. The, the only difference in the storyline uh, is in the movie, Heath Ledger is the one who's prompting the preacher to, to lead out. In in true history, it would have been the preacher who was prompting the people. It would have been a little bit in reverse. Mm-hmm. But other than that, the story is accurate. And I can just give you one example. There was a preacher in Woodstock, Virginia, named Peter Muhlenberg. And he was from Pennsylvania. His father, Henry, had helped found the Lutheran Church in Pennsylvania. And he literally stood in his church before his congregation and pulled off his black robe, revealing a colonel's uniform underneath because George Washington and Patrick Henry had recommended him to be the colonel of the 8th Virginia Regiment. <clears throat> and Muhlenberg led those men from 1776 all the way through to the end of the war. His statue stands in Statuary Hall at the nation's capital in Washington, D.C. today. Wow. He's in the, the surrender ceremony painting where Cornwallis is surrendering. It's a huge painting hanging in the rotunda of the Capitol. Peter Muhlenberg is in that painting. So, yes, the scene in The Patriot, though though slightly off a little in that the preacher would have been leading instead of Heath Ledger, but the story, <laughs> in essence, is true. Yes. Yes, and praise God for that, and that is true history. Oh, thank God. Um, how, so the public schools aren't going to teach this, Dan. Um, no, they're not. Uh, Bible schools uh, in churches, uh, we don't really cover this in our, in our church. We, we're br- bringing our kids up on the Word of God, trying to get back to di- discipleship instead of just entertaining the kids as far as youth groups and yeah. uh, church. So how do we get this information back to the people? I mean, I appreciate what you're doing. But other than that, do you, are there any other resources, or what are your recommendations on how we can get this information to the people? Well, one of the largest ministries out there that is helping to set the record straight is David Barton and yes. Wall Builders, which I know you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. But I think what we've got to do, <laughs> David, is we've got to get rid of this passive Christianity. I mean, you take, for instance, in the Romans 13 issue, I go through in the book— And I give examples of the Hebrew midwives that defied the command of Pharaoh and saved those little baby boys. Or Queen Esther approaching the king uninvited because she was trying to save her people. Or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who wouldn't bow to the image and were willing to risk their lives in the furnace of fire. Daniel Mm -hmm. refusing to stop praying ends up in the lion's den because of it. You go over and over and over, and in every one of these instances— God applauded these men and women for their boldness. We have got to retrain Christians, and that's kind of what I was talking about a while ago when I said that Christians are going to have to relearn some things. Mm -hmm. This idea of this passive, uh, sugar and sweet, uh, you know, uh, or sickening sweet Christianity is not what you find in God's Word. I know. What you find in God's Word is people who love the truth so much that they're willing to fight for it and die for it if need be. Mm. This is why then using Romans 13 to, to teach, well, you just need to knuckle under, is so unbiblical. It's so biblically inconsistent, and the results are predictable. We're going to be cannon fodder. What you just named is some people in the Bible that went against the, the, the governors. Oh, my goodness, you just named some people that God commends for standing against something that was not biblical. So we'll talk more about that with Pastor Dan Fisher when we come back. And even in our times here in America, a lot of people stood up to unjust laws. Think of slavery, think of others. So when we come back more with Dan Fisher, the book is Unlimited Submission on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest today, Pastor Dan Fisher. The book is called Romans, I'm sorry, not Romans 13. It's called Unlimited Submission with a question mark. It's about Romans 13, 1 through 5. And before we get back to it, I do want to say and recommend we have a podcast, Best of 2020, on God and Government. We call it Pastors and Patriots, and we'll put that in today's notes at StandUpForTheTruth.com. It features Dan Fisher, Paul Blair, Trevor Loudon, Steve Smotherman, Rick Scarborough, Andy Woods, Jan Markell, Stephen Broden, Scott Lively, Gary Kaw, Heidi St. John, Alex Newman, J.B. Hickson, Elijah Abraham, 
Bill Cook, John Haller, Jake Jacobs, Shane Eidelman, Chris Quintana, Julian Appling, and, oh, Seiko Woods, and Patrick Wood. So that's all in this best wow. of, yeah, best <laughs> of 2020 podcasts, Patriots and Pastors on God and Government. So, Dan, page 15 in your book, it says, we bestow hero status on abolitionists like Harriet Tubman and Harriet Beecher Stowe for seeing slavery as the unconscionable evil and then for taking action. They defied what was then the law and others like them. Go ahead and share a little bit more about that. Oh, of course. Well, we, we not only properly celebrate them. Think of Martin Luther King Jr. Yes. Stands up against the Jim Crow laws of his day and all the segregation. We have a national holiday honoring Martin Luther King Jr. and those who followed him, and rightfully so. Uh, Corrie ten Boom, her family were Dutch, mm -hmm. so they weren't even Jewish, but they were working uh, with the Underground Railroad in Germany to try to save as many Jews as they could. The whole family ends up being captured by the Nazis. They are all put to death but her. Uh, consider Oskar Schindler. Most people have seen the movie Schindler's List. Oscar Schindler defies the Nazi regime to try to save as many Jews as he can. I mentioned earlier Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a Lutheran pastor who was so convinced that the Nazis were evil. He, as a pastor, helped to lead the attempts on Hitler's life. I mean, you can just, there's no end to it. Mm. They understood that there are times when tyranny must be resisted. David, I think it'd be really good if your your listeners could hear just a little excerpt from a sermon uh, from one of these preachers that we were mentioning earlier that are called the Black Robe Regiment. Yes. And uh, but just let me read just a few little lines out of a sermon <clears throat> that was preached by Samuel West. Now, he preached this in 1776. He was uh, out of Boston, Massachusetts. J just listen and see if this sounds like anything that you've heard in the pulpit lately. <laughs> he says... A slavish submission to tyranny is a proof of a very sordid and base mind. Then he goes on to say, if magistrates are no farther ministers of God than they promote the good of the community, then obedience to them neither is nor can be unlimited. For it would imply a gross absurdity to assert that when magistrates are ordained by the people solely for the purpose of being beneficial to the state, they must be obeyed when they are seeking to ruin and destroy it. Unlimited submission and obedience is due to none but God. Mm. Amen. Wow. Now, he's preaching that from his pulpit, and, and he, this is just one example. As you know, in my book, I give numerous quotes from some of these sermons so that folks can, can hear from, from the very pulpits of the day Preachers telling their their followers, Romans 13 does not mean to roll over and play dead in the face of tyranny. Of course, unless you want your children and your grandchildren to grow up in tyranny and to be mistreated and quite possibly imprisoned and, and executed. Hmm. So I don't get the disconnect. I, I really don't. Um, David, it's always been uh, amazing to me. Uh, how people can cannot connect these dots. But I'm telling you, <laughs> excuse me, we have gotten to the place in America where if we don't start connecting the dots, they're going to connect them for us. Uh, you know, you mentioned a while ago why there's not been the, the litigation. Well, I believe that's because of Trump. I believe for the last four years, Donald Trump has stood kind of like a firewall. I mean, he even uh, issued an executive order telling the IRS that they could not pursue the Johnson Amendment against churches. Now, he couldn't undo it right. single-handedly, but he could put a, a kibosh on the IRS. Do you think that President Biden or a President Harris are going to do that? Yikes. No. No, they're going to militarize the IRS like Barack Obama was doing. I mean, we're going to become the victims of our own ignorance and our own cowardice if we don't relearn the truths found in God's Word and that we can see illustrated for us in history. Hmm. So the church is going to have to pull its head out of the sand. Pastors are going to have to stop worrying about their own personal gain 
And they're going to have to begin to think about the welfare of their people. If they do not, they're going to experience the same terrible fate that many of the churches did in Nazi Germany. Hmm. And it, it's, it's not going to be a pretty sight. And most people think, well, that could never happen in America. Uh-huh. Well, it can happen in America. Mm-hmm. And if the left gets its way, David, it will happen in America. I don't want it to happen. I want to be wrong, but I'm just telling you, yep. it is time for American preachers to wake up. Yeah, yesterday we had Dr. Duke Pesta on the program, and we were talking about a lot of things that are going on in, in education in America and his concerns, especially for Christian parents. But we also talked about, you know, he shared some of his concerns about what a Biden administration would bring. And we don't oh. seem to think that he will use his, you know, pen and a phone like President Obama did. <laughs> and, you know, all it takes is uh, one executive order or a hate crimes right. law, hate crimes legislation the Equality Act, we've talked about that That's all right there. Yep, very the often on this show, for them to say, all right, now we can control the churches and find them or even imprison pastors right. if they quote scriptures on, for example, homosexuality. And so this people don't seem yep. to think that this is a possibility. Well, for those that don't believe that, they're in for a rude awakening. Oh, David, most people in church have never even heard of the Equality Act. Exactly. They have no idea that it has already passed the House of Representatives in Washington. All they're waiting for is the majority in the Senate. Mm-hmm. And if we happen to lose these two seats in Georgia, you watch how quickly they will run the Equality Act. And basically what the Equality Act is going to say is any kind of sexual orientation now falls under the Civil Rights Act of 1964 And if a preacher preaches against homosexuality, if a preacher preaches against transgenderism, any of this, he has violated those people's civil rights and can be fined or imprisoned. That's how close we are to this. And why preachers aren't sounding the alarm Mm -hmm. uh, is a mystery to me, David. It's just... Because it's all at stake. Let me let me tell one last story here before we're out of time. Sure. Uh, th- there was a pastor in a place called Chelsea, Massachusetts. Today it's been swallowed up by Boston, so you would not know you're in Chelsea, but it still <laughs> exists as a community. And this pastor's name was Samuel Phillips Payson, and he was a congregational preacher. And in the days leading up to the uh, War of Independence, he was not necessarily against declaring independence but he was against any kind of armed resistance. Uh, he was a, a sort of a pacifist, maybe. Uh, and, and so he, he kind of put himself at odds with most of the Black Rope preachers. Well, just as soon as the Battle of Lexington had occurred, now that was on the, the morning of April the 19th, 1775, word got to Samuel Phillips Payson about what had happened at Lexington that morning. Hmm. And by that afternoon, he had gotten his flintlock and was fighting along what is called today Battle Road that leads from Concord back to Boston. And he fought, they said, like a wild man once the British had fired upon citizens in Lexington. So what happened with with Payson was that all of this sounded really good theoretically until, until Lexington. And at that point, he realized, oh, my, uh, this, this has gone way beyond anything I ever expected and he ended up fighting. Now, he's a man who had stood against that all this time. My prayer is that the American church will wake up mm. before it comes to that. Yes, we pray for an awakening. We need it. We need repentance. We need revival. Um, one question I needed to ask you before we wrap up. We've got three minutes left. Um, Dan, a lot of people email us, contact us here from different parts of the country, we're in 33 different states, apparently listen and tune in from time to time to our online broadcast or they download our podcast, Praise God. Sure. Um, and one of their biggest questions, one of the most frequent questions is, what should I do or how should I approach my pastor? Because he is not addressing cultural yeah. issues, quote, social issues, let alone the importance of the election. They've never heard the Equality Act, things like we just discussed. Sure. Sure. And they would love for their pastors to talk about these things and inform their congregations. And they asked me, should I find another church? And 
I often say, well, you approach him in love. Uh, p- pastoring is a hard yep. job, but ask yep. him if he would please address some of this. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? How would you respond to that question? Well, this is going to sound a little bit um, uh, promotional of myself, <laughs> but I think the best thing they could do is to go to my website, which is danfisherbrr.com, and get a copy of the book on the Black Road Regiment mm. and this book on unlimited submission and just humbly give it to their pastor mm. and ask him, would you take a look at these materials? And then I'd love to sit down and visit with you. If you just give it to him, then he may or may not ever read it. So they need to say, now, look, once you've had a week or so, I'd like to come back and visit with you about the content in those books. Because I, I'm convinced, David, that for a lot of these pastors, they've never heard this information. Exactly. They do not know. When I go and do the Black Robe presentation, you're not going to be surprised. But a lot of people will be surprised at the number of pastors who come up to me and say, I've never heard any of this. Hmm. And, yeah, well, of it's course. Not- of course they haven't. And uh, we, I don't know how you, how to get back to that point in America where church leaders who are concerned about tithes and offerings and keeping their church the lights on and the business go- not the business see what i did there keeping the business yeah. going because a lot of churches well, well, are looked at as a business in a way yeah yeah well i would say to them that after they've approached their pastor if he seems completely uninterested then they do need to leave they hmm. need to go support a pastor somewhere that will address these issues because he needs their help he yeah. needs their support and we need to stop supporting these men that censor the truth for some kind of, you know, selfish gain. It is time to shine the light on these people. If they'll change, that's wonderful. We've won our brother if they won't change. Scripturally speaking, we're to knock the dust off of our feet and, and go to one who will embrace the truth. Yes, a lot of them mean well, but they let the uh, the approval of man trump the approval of God. Uh, Pastor right. Dan Fisher, the book is Unlimited Submission with a question mark. Look that up in today's podcast notes. And thank you so much, brother. God bless you. Thank you, David. God bless you. When we come back, we'll let you know our guests the rest of this week on Stand Up For The Truth. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Well, let's start with Friday. We've got a brand new guest, author Steve Wolberg. He's a Bible prophecy expert, and he's got a brand new book out called Approaching Armageddon. And then on Thursday, we get to to hear from Dr. Bruce Baker of becomingmature.org. He's on hospice. Uh, Two, three years ago, the doctors told him he had three months to live. He's hanging in there. He's got a book out called For Thou Art With Me. And tomorrow you will hear from Carl Tykrib and his massive book, of course, called Game of Gods. Thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.